Welcome to the Freedom City Church podcast, a podcast designed to help your faith thrive. We hope you enjoy today's message. Oh, how are we doing this morning? Good. It's good to see so many faces in the congregation today. Welcome back to those who have been away for a little while and for our faithful attenders. Um, so glad to have you here. I'm so, always fills my heart to see the church full of people. Alrighty, let's have a look. Um, so thanks for having me back again. It's always um, a really big honour and a privilege. Um, I don't take for granted the um, the privilege that it is to come and bring the word to you this morning. So I think um, let's pray first. Um, we'll get a, get in the right um, space and then we'll get into it. Father God, we thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you that you are present with us this morning and that your Holy Spirit um, is here dwelling among us in this place. I pray that as I speak, your words would become clear, that your name would be glorified and that anything that's not of you would just fall away. We love your mighty and your powerful name. Amen. Amen. Cool. So um, this morning, I want to talk to you about the truth. Can you handle the truth? I don't think you can handle the truth. Um, so I've titled, I titled my message, That's the Gospel Truth. And um, we did have some other um, title options. Chris and I were spitballing and by Chris and I, I mean Chris just was throwing them at me, 19 things that Jesus didn't tell you about coronavirus. Um, so a whole bunch of things like this. Anyway, um, but this one, oh, so they're great. Perfect. <laughs> I spent a really long time on these slides, so please, I hope you can see them. Um, so yeah, anyway, um, I ended up with this. It's maybe a little bit of a Disney reference, but I'll leave that to you to decipher. Um, <laughs> mm, correct. Well done. Amazing. Um, anyway, it's always really interesting um, for me when I when Andy asked me to preach and I'm thinking about, oh, okay, what am I going to preach about? And then, like, often I'll get something on my heart and then I think, oh, crikey, I don't know if I'm really qualified to talk about this maybe in particular, but it's been ruminating in my spirit. And I think it's a really important uh, thing to talk about, especially sort of in the um, landscape of society today. Um, So what I really want to ask is like, who in this day and age has found it a bit difficult to have discussions, conversations, dialogue with people around the truth in a loving way? Like, who's had trouble having those discussions about the truth full stop? Because I know that I have. Um, You know, I heard this about COVID. You're the worst person I've ever met if you do or don't get the vaccine. Our government, X, Y, Z. And if you do or don't believe that, you're a sheep. You know, there's heaps of just, like, vitriol that gets spouted anytime there's conflict between people who firmly and wholeheartedly believe that what they're speaking is true or is at least true for them. And, you know, we can't be surprised that that happens because Paul talked about it all the way back in 2 Timothy um, chapter 4. So I've got a slide for that one there. Yeah, perfect. It says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So it's common now you'll hear phrases and rhetoric that's, that's my truth. No, no, she's just speaking her truth. I'm not going to get in the way of you speaking your truth as if the truth is something um, subjective or separate from reality. 
And don't get me wrong, how you experience life here on earth is going to be different to me and that's okay. And it's really important that we take stock of different perspective. But what we don't want to do is muddle that with what is true or what is the truth. So for about close to two years now, I've been um, seeing a counsellor because, first of all, your mental health, really important. And, mate, I will tell you, 10 out of 10 recommend having an objective third party whose job it is to sit with me and help me distinguish in my own brain what is and isn't true about what I tell myself is unreal, unreal. Would recommend therapy to anybody. Um, and the reason I tell you this is because um, a, it's important to be open and honest about those things. You know, if you knowing that I go see a counsellor helps you make that step, then that's awesome. Um, but then the second reason I bring it up is because it's going to give a little bit of context for what I'm going to say next. So she and I, my counsellor, her name's Noreen. <laughs> what a name. So good. Um, uh, maybe. I don't know. She doesn't look that old, but... What a name. Anyway, Noreen and I, we have chats um, about lots of different things. And quite often while we're talking about this, that and the other, she a question that she will often ask me is, what felt true for you? What felt true for you? And I think it's a really powerful question. What felt true for you? Because this question, it doesn't um, dismiss how I experienced a particular circumstance or what I told myself was true in that moment. It acknowledges that. And at the same time, it's framing my reflection to be through, viewed through the lens of what I felt. Because emotions um, and feelings, we know that those are fleeting and we know that that's true because it's in Scripture. Jeremiah 17, 9 says to us, The heart is deceitful about all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? You know, in Ecclesiastes 9, it tells us, you know, The hearts of the children of man are full of evil and madness in their hearts while they live. Right? So emotions, they're not a good measure. And we can't live in a space where we let our emotions dictate the truth because our hearts are sick and our emotions change. And every day we're battling against our own flesh, you know. But the point of um, something being true is that it is consistent and constant despite how we feel about it. So then the reason that this question, what felt true for you, is so powerful is that it gives my counsel and I space to acknowledge how I felt in that moment, but then also take a moment to dispel the lies that might have taken root and then reveal the truth that is actually over my life. So you might think, well, how do we know that truth is constant and consistent? That's a pretty big claim to make. And I want you to follow me here with this. So, Quill, if you pop up the next slide, John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All right? So then the next slide we get uh, John 1.14 says, the Word became flesh and he was dwelling among us. Next slide. Then John 14.6 says that Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then the next slide is Hebrews 13, 8. And that tells me that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So this, 
if you follow my logic, Jesus is God. He was there at the beginning. He's come and he has explicitly told us he's the truth and he's the same from the beginning until the end. So that tells me there is a definitive truth that is consistent and constant and that's what we're called to operate from. So, you know, I'm thinking about this idea of truth and what, because I've been reading through the book of John, um, which is, I guess, what sparked a whole lot of that for me. Sidebar, if you're not sure about where to start reading in the Bible and you want to know a bit more about Jesus, John is such a great book for that. It's 90% distinct from the other three Gospels and has a lot of stuff in there about Jesus that you won't get in the other ones, but from a really personal point of view, really, really beautiful book to read. Um, so anyway, I've been reading John, I'm reading all of this and then I, so I'm thinking about this idea of truth and then we come to Ephesians 4 and I'm going to read a bit of a, a chunk for this, starting in verse 11. Um, it says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God become mature, attaining to the whole measure of fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Sounds a little bit like 2 Timothy. Verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does the work. It's a big chunk. There's a few things in there. I don't know if you might have been here for my last sermon. There's a lot of reference in there to unity, becoming mature. So my last message, we talked a little bit about um, our, our personal responsibility to become more like Christ and become mature. And then now we've got a, a corporate calling as the body of Christ. We need to become mature. So Paul, he's setting us up here in this passage and he's making a point of the fact that we're prone to jump from narrative to narrative that suits our own or best serves our own purpose and that that's actually a sign of immaturity. And then when we get to verse 15, he says, we have to speak the truth in love. And as we've just read, Jesus is the truth. So Jesus is the lens that we need to be coming from. And as it goes on and it's talking about we need to be joined as a whole body, in the truth, we have to recognise amongst ourselves that there is a definitive truth from which we speak with love. So there is truth and now we have to understand together as the church there is a single truth, a definitive truth. Okay, so we've looked at truth and a little, you know, defined what it or rather who it is. So now let's have a look at this idea of love. I think we're, we're really good at love. Um, we hear lots of messages about love. It makes us feel good. And that's where sometimes this, this idea of truth and love can get a bit, bit sticky. So for the sake of today's message, I want to move away from this idea that love, um, this idea that we have where love is really rooted in emotion 
and feeling. Um, you know, the type of love that treats God like a lovesick boyfriend who's just desperate for my attention and my affection. It's a very narrow view of love. God doesn't need my love. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to move away from that idea. We're going to look at a definition from Thomas Aquinas. So he's a philosopher, priest. He's a doctor of the church from the early 13th century. And he has a really great definition of love that I think really helps to frame our perspective. He says, to love is to will the good of the other. To love is to will the good of the other. When I read that, that was such a catalyst for a big shift for me. Um, Because it takes, you know, taking the emotion out of it and it's showing us the decision that has to be made in loving someone. Can I get an amen from anyone who is married out there? Like, you know, it is. It's a big choice. That's why I walked down the aisle to a song called I Choose You and I made choice a really big part of our vows because loving someone sometimes is really hard and you have to wake up and make a choice. Your emotions are going to fleet. Your heart is sick. You can't rest on the laurels of I feel really good about you today. I don't know how I feel about you tomorrow. You know, it, you know, this idea of love being the lens of I want what's best for you rather than I want you to feel good, um, that's quite often where the disparity comes in for people and we mistake love to mean that whoever we are loving should always feel good because of the love we have for them, which ultimately is true, but sometimes in the moment loving someone is hard and sometimes being loved can be hard. You know, parents, you think of your kids, it's the loving thing to be firm with your children when they're doing something reckless or dangerous that could seriously affect their health or their life. And in the moment, to a child, it doesn't feel loving that mum and dad would stop me from doing this thing that makes me feel really good right now. What they fail to see and understand is that their parents want what's good for them. And in that moment, you know, helping them realise that love is not just an ooey-gooey feeling that we've taught ourselves, it's this idea that it's what's best for you. And that's the distinction that Paul's making between being mature and immature as a body. And, you know, it's it's quite often the, um, you know, allegory that he uses children to show us mature and immature. So now if we go back to Ephesians 4.15 with these definitions of truth and love that we've established, we get a passage that maybe reads a little bit differently. So we get, instead of speaking the truth, no, sorry, instead speaking the truth, who is Jesus and his teachings in a way that communicates my will for the good in your life, we grow into maturity, etc. So shift your perspective a little bit this morning. Certainly did for me. What it tells me is that sometimes difficult conversations with others in the church, while maybe a little bit uncomfortable, when they're done holding an attitude with each other's best interest at heart, it's really important that we are speaking truth to one another. And when we do this with one another as the church, it exercises that muscle, it becomes more natural. And it gets easier to do when we come up against difficult conversations with non-believers. 
And this message is, it's really specifically for the church. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus and he's writing this letter with the purpose to strengthen believers in their love and faith in Christ. Um, He's writing it with the purpose to show believers, you know, in verses 21 and 22, he talks about you need to put off the old man and put on the new man, about the transformation that happens when we uh, encounter Jesus, when we know the truth. And he's writing it with the purpose to demonstrate the unity of the Jews and the Gentiles in one body of Christ. So as is the case um, with a lot of us when we're living just day to day as Christians, our, op- you know, our, our behaviour is really on a spectrum. And more often than not, we can find ourselves living um, in an extreme rather than moving towards a balance. And in this case, our extremes are the truth and love. So we might float between the two. Some of us might really happily just set up camp in one end. Um, But it's my wholehearted belief that there has to be a tension that exists there. Um, We need to really frequently check ourselves about whether we're drifting one way or the other. Because we can't uh, expect conversations about the truth to have any kind of impact if they're not done in love. And we can't actually expect any conviction to come if we only ever love and never speak the truth. You know, the truth without love is brutality. And love without the truth is a lie. We need both. The truth is what confronts us and challenges us to change. And it's the love of God that impacted you and made you receptive to the truth in the first place. And, you know, it's the loving thing to do to have tricky conversations with people who need the truth. And often we'll let fear come up, swell up and tell us that our intent's going to be misrepresented and um, that actually we've only come to do it to judge you or to shame you. But we need to trust God that he knows the motivation of our heart and that when we come to fellow believers with the truth to bring that he's already doing a work in them. And that, if you know, in Psalm 19, it's, he talks about the meditations of my heart. You know, you can pray to God, reveal the, reveal the meditations of my heart, God. Am I doing this for the right reason? And so what I'm going to, you know, is talking about how do we have these conversations, truth and love. And the truth is, actually starts with us, starts with each one of us. It starts with knowing the truth. You know, the best ways that we can go about speaking the truth in love is actually by modelling Jesus. It's plain and simple. It has to come back to Jesus because Jesus is the truth. You know, John 8, 32 says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. When we become more like Jesus, who is the truth, and when you know the truth and the truth is in you, you're free. It's in living your life that's so in pursuit of Jesus and the truth that he speaks that gives us that authority to speak the truth into other people's lives. So a really good indicator this morning um, about whether or not you're speaking the truth in love to other people is that if it's not Jesus or it's not in alignment with Jesus, it's not the truth. Because the truth is going to set people free. It's going to illuminate things for people. It's going to clarify things for people. It's going to expose lies. So, you know, there are 
two groups of people here this morning that I, I want to address. I'm sort of coming up to the end of my message here. Because I want to address the truth and it's because I love you. I will the good for your life. I wouldn't get up and, and speak a message hoping that it didn't go well for you afterwards, you know. So the first is to those who are um, already Christians. You might have been doing this for a really long time. Um, you've experienced the love of God and maybe maybe you've taken a back seat in your pursuit or you're pretty happy just chuffing along as you go. Like, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Maybe you've become a bit apathetic in your relationship with him. But, you know, the truth that I want to um, tell you today is that if you're not in this book every day, seeking out what God has to say about who you are and who he is and who you are because of who he is, you're missing out. You're missing out. You're not missing out on everything, but you're missing out. I found, you know, Annie talks about, I love the Bible, and it's because of what I know is in here and what I can glean from what's in here. It's going to be really hard for you to love people well if you don't know how well God loves you. You know, we need to take time to let the truth take a proper root in our hearts and to know Jesus so well and to know the words that he is speaking so well that we live with that truth. You know, before we even start speaking the truth to others, we should be demonstrating the truth to them through how we live. You know, and the reason that we need to be in this book is because you can you can read every book you like, you can listen to every sermon, every podcast, you can come to church every Sunday and hear Andy speak, but until you're actually in the Word, gleaning the truth directly from the source you're going to miss out. So can I encourage you this morning? Take time. Make space. Make it a priority. One of the biggest things that made a difference for me was actually getting a physical book because now, sorry, Instagram, how do I, you can't scroll Instagram in this book. I have to focus on what I'm reading. So, so good. You know, and when you start to make space and prioritise seeking the Word of God, just watch how your life begins to transform and how you're going to become so much more equipped to speak the truth in love to those around you as a result. You know, the second truth here um, is for those who maybe are new to faith or you might not be a Christian yet. This might be your first time in church or your first time back in church. And here's the truth that I want to tell you this morning. This is what this book tells me to be true about you and I really wholeheartedly believe it this morning. The truth is that there is a God in heaven who loves you. He knows you, he formed you, he created you for a plan and a purpose and he loves you so much that he would bundle truth in the form of a man, his own son Jesus, to come and die for you that you might know him. You might have come here this morning and you've had lies spoken over you that say um, you're not enough, um, your past is always going to dictate your future, um, God could never love you, and I'm here to tell you that is not true, that's a lie. The Bible says else, you know, otherwise. My God wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants to know you. You know, in Jesus there is freedom you know, and so if you're hearing this and there's something stirring, 
make sure you come and talk to one of the leaders afterwards. We want to make sure that you um, know that in a really real way this morning. Hmm. That's about all I've got for you. So can we pray? Father, thank you that your word is true. That you call us and you speak life, giving truth into our hearts. Father God, I pray this morning that we would um, be refreshed and eager to seek you and your son Jesus more passionately. That we would see the truth transform our lives and that um, we would be a light that calls others out of darkness. I pray that we would be a people who are characterised by your love, speaking your eternal goodness and truth to those around us. We thank you that you are constant and you are consistent and that we can rely on your word. God, I pray that you would equip us to speak the truth even when it's hard, Father. Praise and glory and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Freedom City podcast. If there is any way that we can help you survive and thrive in your everyday life, we'd love to connect with you. If you'd want to know more about who we are, just head to www.freedomcityfremantle.com. Until next time, take care.